When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. There's a whole lot happening on the recruiting front. Uh, Oklahoma picking up a number 19 as far as verbal commitments for the 2023 class uh, in Colton Vasek coming out of Westlake High School, Austin, Texas, right in. Not only is he right in the backyard of the University of Texas at Austin, but his father was a a defensive end for the Longhorns. Um, Basic with a total of 38 scholarship offers, choosing Oklahoma over Clemson, Oregon, Texas, uh, to name uh, just a few in there. Uh, This is huge for Oklahoma. Not not only are you getting a four-star defensive end who is the number 19 edge rusher in the class, according to the 24-7 composite rankings, also the number 29 overall player from the state of Texas, this is going to just do, it's just, it's just going to, I mean, Oklahoma had such a massive month of July in terms of recruiting. Now as, as like time, you know, the calendar turns into August and you got to start thinking about camp. You got to start thinking about the season. You're just over a month away. But what this is, is that momentum swing that we saw with a hot July comes in and gives you an even you know, even further boost you into the month of August where you, you really get to get players around your program while the other players are there. And I, and I get what they're doing. That huge, huge weekend uh, in Norman last weekend where Oklahoma hosted so many recruits. And you're seeing a lot of, you're seeing a whole lot of uh, crystal ball predictions coming towards the Sooners. And then you, you got your first commitment uh, here today, August 1st, and, and the basic kid uh, coming out of out of Austin. And there's going to be more, more to come. But I think there's eight different players that are currently hold crystal ball predictions to come to the University of Oklahoma following what just happened this last weekend. And so that puts Oklahoma, they're still at number six because I don't know that the rankings have updated quite as much, but when you add another four star into the mix, what you're doing is you're you're climbing closer to number five to being a top five team nationally. You're also climbing closer to the University of Texas to being the number one overall team in the Big Twelve. And there's a lot out there. There's a lot still out there, and there's the potential here. Uh, the, here here's something that you're going to want to keep an eye on. Uh, defensive lineman David Hicks out of Katy, Texas. David Hicks is is has been for a year now projected go to to go to Texas A&M but after this last weekend there's some there's some talk that he's not going to go to Texas A&M or at least he's 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 wavering on that he's the number one defensive lineman for this class the number one overall player from the state of Texas and and I, I, I don't know that there's enough there just to jump in there and just get your hopes up that this is definitely going to happen. But I think there's enough there to make you at least curious about what could come from this uh, based off of two things. Number one, just the talk. 
just the talk that's out there on social media, the talk that's out there on the message boards, and I get that social media and message boards, they're not always accurate models as to where one kid's going to go to make his decision to play his college ball. But here's, here's the other thing, though. When you get that talk backed up by action, okay, I'll give you I'll give you a good example, okay. Uh, David Stone, a 2024 kid, uh, he's IMG Academy right now. He's got offers coming out of his ears. Everybody wants David Stone to come play for them. David Stone is in a situation similar to David Hicks in as much as David Stone has been thought to be connected to the University of Oklahoma for a long time because he's a Dell City kid. He's from Oklahoma. He went to IMG in Florida to try to boost his his um, his pedigree, so so to speak. I think by the time that twenty four class rolls around, he's going to be the top defensive player in that defensive line prospect in that class. I think he's two or three right now for twenty twenty four, but there's still a long way to go on that. The point I'm making is David Stone has been linked to the University of Oklahoma for a long time. And when you look at his actions, his actions show him linked to the University of Oklahoma. David Hicks had been that same guy with Texas A&M until recently. He's now just been talked about in the same scuttlebutt with all these other guys that are are like Colton Vasek who are moving and trending towards the University of Oklahoma and in addition to that, David Hicks also canceled a trip he was supposed to take to College Station after being um, around some guys in the University of Oklahoma over the weekend. So a lot happening right now, a lot to, you know, I always say this with recruiting, get excited, all right? Get, get excited about what's happening, um, but also keep in mind that it still still requires patience. But I'm not going to change my tone from what I've, I've said from one podcast to the next when it talks about what Brent Venables is doing. Brent Venables is saying, look, if you're committed to us, you're committed to us. And when that commitment happens, you shut it down. You don't go make other visits. You don't, you don't, you know, you talk to us and you're a member of what we, of who we are and what we're doing. And when you understand that concept and you see how it's working and how it's happening to have David Hicks, cancel a trip to College Station just kind of makes you think a little bit more about what could be happening in the future. And right now you've got Oklahoma knocking on the door of a top five recruiting class for 2023. You add David Hicks in there, a number, uh, another five-star prospect, the number one player from the state of Texas, the number one defensive line prospect, it gives Oklahoma the potential not to knock on the door for a top five, but to knock on the door for the overall top class in 2023. And by the way, how crazy would it be? How crazy would it be if Oklahoma was able to land David Hicks in 2023 and and then get David Stone in 2024, where you could potentially have back-to-back years the number one overall defensive line recruit in the nation? Hey, we've got some true or false questions coming up. We always want you to be a part of what we do on true on on the Sooner Nation podcast. And so, um, true or false is your way to participate. And we're going to jump into that next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, here we go. True or false time. You guys get to jump in here and be a part of the Sooner Nation podcast. Uh, you can hit us up, uh, true or false, by on uh, first of all, Twitter is an easy way to do it. Uh, at Sports Heartland. Uh, you can also hit us up on, on the internet, heartland-sports.com, and you can drop a comment in our on our podcast page there. Uh, you can also just email us, traditional, uh, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Uh, we want to have you as a part of the podcast. So I got three three things coming at you right now. Uh, here's the first one. Uh, this is from Gina. She says, uh, true or false, Oklahoma's offensive line play should improve this year because of Riley's departure. Um, and as much as I, I mean, you know, like Lincoln Riley, it's crazy to me how much we, the Oklahoma fan base, have moved away from Lincoln Riley um, in the last nine months, right? Because even with the Bedlam loss, I mean, the minute they're walking off the field, you're like, you know what, still feel like the program's in good hands, still like Lincoln Riley, still like what's happening. Uh, they'll just reload and, and get ready to go again in 2023, or excuse me, 2022. And then all of a sudden, like the next day, we hated Lincoln Riley because he's up and off to um, to USC. And then everything's like, you know, he was overrated, this and this and this. Um and I gotta, I gotta jump on board here with Gina and say, I think, I think, first of all, <laughs> I know I'm talking in a circle here, but first of all, let me say, I do believe, I do believe that Lincoln Riley is a very, very good offensive coordinator. I do believe that when he is happy, when he's content, when he's satisfied with where he is. Nine months after his departure, you read if you want to read between the lines, you can do that. Or if you want to look straight at uh, straight at quotes, uh, you know that the various parties have made. It's it's really easy to say that Lincoln Riley wasn't happy at the University of Oklahoma. I think I think he he thought he was bigger than than really what what he was in terms of decision making. Um, he can deny it all he wants to, but Oklahoma's move to the SEC without consulting him really chapped him. I don't. I don't know that he. Uh, I really don't know that he was upset about Oklahoma going to the SEC. It's it's fun to say, oh, you're running from the SEC and now you're in the Big Ten. You know all that stuff. I don't know that it's fair to say that as much as it's fair to say. The, the hang-up wasn't OU moving to the SEC. The hang-up was OU moving to the SEC and him not having a say in that move. And I think that whole thing, you go back to a year ago right now, when all that began to break, Lincoln Riley wasn't happy. He he suddenly realized he's not bigger than Joe Castiglione. He suddenly realized he's not bigger than the Board of Regents. He's not bigger than the university president. He is a powerful figure as the football coach at the University of Oklahoma. He is the top football coach in the Big 12. But in that moment, he realized he's not the top man on that campus. And I think that changed everything about Lincoln Riley. And, and you, can, you, can make a lot of, you can make a lot of correlations between Lincoln Riley's move away from Norman and Kevin Durant's move away from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Think about it from this perspective. 
up until the 2021 season, there really wasn't a lot of criticism about Lincoln Riley. Even the loss at Baylor, even the Bedlam loss, and knowing you're not winning the Big 12 championship, the majority of the fan base was still fully on board with Lincoln Riley. And then all of a sudden he bolts. And you've got people saying negative things about him for the very first time. For the very first time, this fan base has turned on him. And I don't think he knew how to, because he'd always been loved. He'd always been high-fived. He had always been then shouted at, you know, in a positive way, everywhere he went. And suddenly he's not that guy anymore. Suddenly the fan base where he won uh, conference championships, where he saw his players win Heisman trophies, where he made it to the college football playoff, suddenly that fan base no longer appreciated him. And I, I, he, he was taken back. And you had the exact same thing happen with Kevin Durant, right? Oklahoma City, the Thunder fan, that fan base, they love Kevin Durant. He was even though he was from you know played for the University of Texas, they, the Oklahomans embraced him. They loved him. Kevin Durant sells out. He wants to go to Golden State. He wants to win a championship there uh, and be a part of already a championship team instead of going through the process of building a championship team in a smaller market. And suddenly, for the very first time in Kevin Durant's life, people are saying negative things about him. And that affected the way, I mean, Kevin Durant went from basically being the golden child to being a villain, not just amongst Oklahoma City fans, but amongst a lot of NBA fan bases who saw that transition take place. And you're seeing this with Lincoln Riley. Now, back to the question from Gina, will the the offensive line improve because of his departure? The answer to this is yes. And there's two reasons why. Number one, Bill Biedenboe is still the offensive line coach at the University of Oklahoma, and Bill Biedenboe is the best in the business. I, I, I mean, you, you can have your opinion on, on whatever school and, and whatever offensive line coach you cheer for, but I think it the track record, when you look at linemen in the NFL, when you look at the Roy, um, the, you know, the Roy Manning Award, all these things, right? Bill Beanbow is the best in the business. And, and I'll give you a top three, okay? If you say, well, so-and-so might be better. Okay, he's top three. Bill Beanbow has not forgotten schemes and how to coach. Lincoln Riley was off last season. In 2021, we did not get the Lincoln Riley we had had the previous seasons. And, and there's so many different things. You could go back to that West Virginia game. You could go back to the loss at Baylor. You can go back to the Bedlam loss, um, the first half against Texas. Uh, you know, there's so much there that even the casual fans were saying, this isn't right. There's something not right here. And and I, I think because of that, because of the quarterback, um, I, I think... I think Spencer Rattler, part of his problem, I really believe this. I believe part of his problem is that there was a disconnect between him and Lincoln Riley because Lincoln Riley was disconnected from the program. I think Caleb Williams was still young and raw enough. He came to play for his coach, and he was still a— I think Spencer Rattler had been— began to make the, the transition from a, a coach guy to a program guy. And I don't know that Caleb Williams had made that transition yet. And the reason you know Caleb Williams had made that transition yet is because Caleb Williams asked the program to put everything on hold and wait on him while he explored other options. A program guy doesn't do that. 
And because there's a disconnect with Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler, the offense isn't working. And then you had some running schemes where how do you use a guy like Kennedy Brooks? How do you use a guy like Eric Gray first year in the program? I just, there wasn't a lot of cohesiveness all season long. The mo- Think about this. The, the most we ever saw this offense work in a cohesive unit was in the Alamo Bowl against Oregon. That's the, that's, that's the best you saw them function as a unit, Alamo Bowl against Oregon. And Lincoln Riley was long gone by then. That was all on Kale Gundy and Bob Stoops. But you saw Lincoln Riley leave and you saw a better play from the, uh, the offensive line. And I, I, think that, I think that will portray into what we see on the field in 2022. I think Jeff Levy's loving Loving what he's seeing from this offensive line. And and I, I think Oklahoma fans are pleasantly going to be surprised with this offense, which is going to lead into later on a conversation uh, probably to end this podcast. Uh, let's go Jeff, uh, number two here. Jeff says, true or false, no one wants to talk about the status of the Oklahoma defense when Venables left as defensive coordinator and the circumstances that led Bob to decide to bring back his brother. Um I, I do think this is true, Jeff, um, and I, I don't know exactly what circumstances you're talking about because there are there are rumors and then there are what really happened. And I think what we as fans know is somewhere in between the rumors and, and then what really happened. I, I, I do think there was um, I, I think there was a loyalty between Bob and Mike Stoops for Bob to bring Mike back. I, I think there was a, and I'm, I'm a Mike Stoops fan, by the way, you need to know that I, I am a Mike Stoops fan. Um, but there was an ego that I think was left unchecked with Mike Stoops. Um, and I think it, it rubbed Brent the wrong way because I, I think Brent, I'm not going to say he thrived, but he did very, very well with, without Mike. When Mike was in Arizona, Brent ran this defense and they were good. Now we saw Brent thrive when he got it relocated to Clemson, South Carolina. And, um, and, and that was a whole different story. That's where you begin to see Brent thrive. But the foundation for who Brent Venables is was definitely laid in part in, in Norman, Oklahoma. I mean, you, you got, you got to give a hat tip to Manhattan, Kansas as well. But I, I think what gets really overlooked here, and, and, I, and this is Brent's story, not mine, but I think what really gets overlooked here when you're talking about Brent Venables and his time at Oklahoma and then that transition of bringing Mike Stoops back and then his Venables ultimate departure to go to Clemson. First of all, that was the right move for Brent Venables. Even if Mike Stoops had not come back, I think that was the right move for Brent Venables. Brent Venables needed some time out from underneath the shadow of Bob Stoops. He needed it. And we saw what happened when we got out from underneath that shadow. Brent Venables, well, you say what you want about Mike Stoops, but he needed that time to be away and to kind of make a name for himself. I don't, I don't think Brent Venables would have the name recognition he has right now had he stayed on that staff. Now, he could have been probably Oklahoma's head football coach more rapidly than what he is now because I think if he stays on the staff – uh, then when Bob resigns, they just they hand the keys to Brent. I think that's that was a likely scenario. But the big thing I, I don't think anybody really discusses much because it is a little bit of a sensitive topic just because of the 
the sadness, just the, the heartbreak of the situation, and that is the, the death of Austin Box. I, I think the death of Austin Box, it rocked Brent Venables. And, and I, I think that's part of why he needed a, a fresh start. That's part of, I, I, honestly, I, I'm going to say that I believe that the death of Austin Box, it played a bigger role in, in Brent Venables. I don't want to say not being happy, but it played a bigger role in Brent Venables needing a change of pace than Mike Stoops being there did. Now, there, it's crazy with Mike Stoops because there there are people who really, really, really liked Mike Stoops and there are people who really, really, really hated Mike Stoops. And then there's not a lot of people right in the middle where I am on that. I think I think Mike Stoops did a lot of good for this university. I don't think he was perfect in any way. And so we always want to jump right in there and talk about, well, Mike Stoops is the reason Brent Venables left. I don't think that's the I don't think that's the case. I, I think there were bigger factors at play there. Um, and 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 again, I don't I don't know um, if I've even made sense here, Jeff, but the reality is I, I think it's true. I think that people don't want to talk about w- how bad Oklahoma's defense got under Mike Stoops, but I also don't know that I would give a hundred percent of that credit to Mike Stoops so as far as the, the decline of this defense. Just like I wouldn't give a hundred when you when you find this defense at its apex, I wouldn't give a hundred percent of that credit to Mike Stoops either. I think it's a team effort. Uh, when I say team, I mean amongst that coaching staff and what the focus is. And and I really feel like I really feel like this team across the board lost its focus. Um, it lost its identity of what made them great in the early two thousands. And yeah, maybe Brent Venables was a part of that as far as his 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 absence. Uh, but definitely he's bringing it back now. And so there you go. I may have just talked a big fat circle around your question, uh, but I do agree with you. I do say it's true that nobody, nobody really wants to talk about it. All right, here we go. Last but not least, um, Sean, Sean says, (laughs) this is a good one. Sean says, Hey, true or false. Um, you're wrong about where you've got the Sooners ranked in your preseason often or your preseason offensive rankings. So for some context here, um, what Sean's talking about is uh, on the website, heartland-sports.com, we, being the three of us that write for the website, are kind of coming out with our preseason consensus rankings, position rankings uh, across the board for the Big 12. We did defense, and now we're moving into offense. And here's what's great about this is that uh, Sean's calling me out, uh, and we've only released two, uh, two offensive positions so far. We've released the uh, the running backs, and we no sorry we haven't released running backs. I, I apologize. We released the uh, offensive line, and we we released the uh, pass catchers. And I will tell you um, that uh, I don't have them ranked super high, and on any of them. And uh, and and here's the thing: um, I, this is not going to earn me any brownie points with anybody. But I've got Oklahoma right down the middle, right in the middle on, on offense, and um, and this is going to lead into probably where they wanted to talk about to close out the podcast, where Oklahoma is going to rely, I think, on defense more than they're going to rely on offense in 2022. Um, and I'll, I'll, sh- I'll get into that conversation here in a minute. But let me just tell you my thoughts. First of all, Sean, I want to uh, start by saying I, I think you're right. I do agree with this. I think it's true. I think four months from now, 
I'm going to come back and I'm going to say I had Oklahoma ranked right there in the middle of the Big 12. Uh, and the truth is I've got them just below the middle in the Big 12. Offensive line, the pass catchers, and the running backs. I have them all ranked right now. My personal ranking, I've got them 6 out of 10. Uh, and we haven't released running backs yet. There's a little preview of what's happening. Running backs are coming out this week. Uh, quarterback position will be the highest ranking uh, that I have for uh, for the Sooners uh, going into the offensive position rankings. And I'm not going to give that away just yet. But the quarterback position will be the highest ranking that I give Oklahoma position breakdowns. And, and here's the thing. This is all based off of preseason, right? And, and this is based off of what we know preseason. And what we know preseason is that running back, pass catchers, offensive line, and quarterback for the University of Oklahoma, there is a lot of potential talent, right? You you look at a guy like Eric Gray and you say, man, that guy, potentially, he could be really, really good. You look at a receiver like Marvin Mims and you say, potentially, he could be the top receiver in the Big 12 in 2022. You put Theo Weiss beside him and you say potentially, right? Potentially, Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss, they could become the best wide receiver duo in the Big 12. And again, across the board on, on the on the offensive line, right? Wanya Morris potentially could be huge in terms of what he brings to the, the table for this offensive line. Chris Murray could be huge and finally finding his spot on the offensive line and making this the potentially best offensive line in the Big 12. So that's potential, guys. Where I believe they'll reach that potential, and I believe where where I've ranked them, all three of those positions on our personal rankings, I have them at number six. And I believe that's the floor. I believe that's as low as they could possibly be with the expectation that they'll be higher than that. But if you're, if you're asking me to base something off of potential, here, here's what I know. This isn't potential. Bijan Robinson is the best running back in the Big 12. Hands down. Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Malik Notes, Phillip Brooks. Those are two receiver duos that are going to be really, really good. You know what they are. You don't have to, you don't have to base what B. John Robinson is going to do off of potential. You saw who he is. I don't think we've seen the real Marcus Morris. Uh, sorry, Marcus Major. I, I don't think we've seen the real Eric Gray. But I, I know there's, there's more guys in that running back rotation. But there's not enough there for me what, just based off of potential and what I've seen. There's not enough there. When's the last time you saw Theo Weiss really play significant contribution type minutes and the success of this program? We know Marvin Mims took a step backwards last year. And by the way, speaking of Lincoln Riley, can we just go back to the very first question for a hot minute? How big of a story, again, is it that Marvin Mims was going to leave if Lincoln Riley stayed? That lets you know where Lincoln Riley's head is. His best receiver was like, guys, I'm out of here. If this man stays, I'm out. It took Lincoln Riley leave, leaving to get Marvin Mims to stay. So, so are we going to get what was the freshman Marvin Mims? What was the sophomore Marvin Mims? Something that's in between freshman and sophomore Marvin Mims? Are we going to get a career 
season out of Marvin Mims that launches him into the NFL after this season, like like a C.D. Lamb type thing. We don't, we don't know the answer to those questions just yet. The most known commodity that we have about Oklahoma's offense, and I'm getting ahead of myself now, but it's Dylan Gabriel. We, we know the dude has passed for over 8,000 yards. We, we know he has playmaking ability. We know he has good ball protection when it comes to turning it over and not turning it over, which is more important. And we know he's familiar with Jeff Levy's system. That's the, that's the, that's the biggest known we have going with this offense going in to the 2022 season. And so I think there's a lot of, a lot of potential there with Oklahoma and, and, and what their, their skill position guys are going to be and what their offensive line is going to be. I, I can't rank them top five when, when I know I, I, I know TCU has two really, really good running backs. I know Texas has three. That, that three Texas has three top 20 in the Big 12, uh, statistically, of the top 20 running backs in the Big 12. Uh, I guess run, because there's some quarterbacks included in those rushing stats. But when you look at the rushing stats from 2021, the top 20, top rushers in the Big 12, Texas has three of them. They've got the number one returning rusher in the Big 12. Kansas State has Deuce Vaughn. Again, we know what all these guys are. And then we know what, then there's a difference between knowing what these guys are and knowing what they can be. We know what Eric Gray can be. We know what Marcus Major can be. But we have to see that for a full season. And we've yet to do that. Uh, so, yeah, Sean, I, I think you're right. I agree with you. This is true that I'm going to be wrong about my position rankings for Oklahoma on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to be wrong about that. But at this moment, well, and these were all done in July. So as of August 1st, I got to stick to my guns on why I have the Sooners ranked where they are on the offensive position groups. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, here we go. Final segment, uh, Sooner Nation podcast. Again, thanks so much for being a part of what we do. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at Sports Heartland on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Uh, Let us know if we agree, disagree, how crazy you think I am. Uh, based on what I said uh, on the podcast or anything you see on the website. Again, Oklahoma recruiting right now is just just blowing up. The Sooners are currently the hottest thing 
uh, on college football recruiting, and there's no getting around that. Um, that's where that's where Brent Venables has this program, which is crazy to think about uh, what was thought the the very second um, Lincoln Riley left to go to USC, and then the slow start. Uh, that Venables got to this 2023 class, but yet here we are, uh, Oklahoma knocking on the door of a top five recruiting class right now for 2023. So let's talk, though, let's talk about the actual football season, the 2022 season. And this is just a simple thought. We'll have more as the, as the, as the time goes on uh, and we get closer and closer to kickoff for the next five weeks. Um, here, here's a thought. For me, I think Oklahoma's best chance at winning the Big 12 and competing for the college football playoff rest on the defensive side of the ball. I think when you look at two factors here, uh, that, that Oklahoma's defense is going to be the key. And, and let me preface this by saying, not in any way is this a, a knock or a slight towards Jeff Levy and what the guys are going to do on the offensive side of the ball. But I think in that last segment, I pretty much summed it up that there's a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks offensively based off of potential. Now, potential can be good until it becomes bad. In other words, you always want to be the guy who has potential, right? You always want to be that guy who has potential. What you want to avoid becoming is the, is the guy who had potential, right? That's what you want to avoid. And so it, for a guy like, honestly, a guy like Theo Weiss, a guy like Marvin Mims, this is this is an important season because if we get the if we get the Marvin Mims of 2021, if we get the Theo Weiss of 2021, truthfully, if we get the Eric Gray of 2021, uh, if you get the Christopher Murray, if you get the Wanya Morris of 2021, those are all key guys. And if they're the same this year as they were last year, then they're going to transition quickly from guys who have potential to guys who had potential. Meaning you're closer to being a bust than you are to being a breakout star. And that's that's exactly where the Sooners are on offense right now as the season approaches, you know, it, at the end of this month. So I, I don't think you see those same type of, of situations on the defensive side of the ball. Now, there's a few like Isaiah Coe. Isaiah Coe is a guy who has a lot of potential, but he's he's been behind a pair on Winfrey. But Isaiah, Isaiah Coe came in with a lot of JUCO love, number one defensive tackle in the class, uh, the JUCO defensive tackle in the class, and so forth. Jalen Redmond. So there's a few guys, but I, I think there are more knowns. And when where you where you look at Oklahoma's offensive position breakdown, you think, man. There's potential at the running back, but I just don't know. There's potential at the receiving uh, in the receiving core, tight ends, H-backs, but I just don't know. This offensive line could be the best in the Big 12, but I just don't know. Okay, so that's, that's where you are across the board. I, I don't think you're that way when you, when you look at the defensive side of the ball. I think defensive line, linebackers, if Oklahoma's not the best in the Big 12 on those two positions, they're they're really close to being the best in the Big 12. They are so close to having the best defensive line in the Big 12 based on what we know. 
I think I think unequivocally they have the best linebacking core in the Big 12 based on what we know, not what we assume, not what the potential is, not what we hope for, what we know. Front seven in the Big 12, Oklahoma's really, really, really good. The question mark for Oklahoma defensively is what's going to happen in the secondary. How do you replace a Pat Fields? How do you replace a DTL? Can these cornerbacks make a step up from 2021 to 2022? Can they improve? That, that's where your question mark is. So there's really one question mark on the defensive side of the ball. And, and I think when you look at the, the not really knowing where to play Key Lawrence last year and having a more solidified spot for him, going into the 2022 season, there are things in that secondary that they're just going to answer themselves from game one. But there there are so many questions, so many questions offensively. I think you just kind of have to naturally lean towards the defensive side of the ball and say they're, they're, they're more put together. They're, they're more solidified. And this is a good position to be in because I would rather – have my defense put together and let my offense play catch up than have my offense put together and let my defense try to figure things out after the season starts. It's easier for an offense to start clicking. It's easier to learn schematics and and to get a rhythm and all that stuff offensively than it is defensively. So I think just naturally this progression, what we're talking about, that's good for OU. Because you want, in my opinion, you want your defense to be ahead of your offense going into the season. So that, that's number one. More, more question marks on offense than they're on defense. Now, number two is, I think we're going to see a transition in the Big 12 this year. We're going to see a transition away from this being a pass-happy quarterback league to really focusing on, um, on what these guys on the ground can do. Name me top. Give me, give me four quarterbacks that you know are top elite level quarterbacks in the Big 12. Not potentially. Not, not like when their career is over with, I believe. No, no, I'm talking about right now going into the 2022 season. Who are the elite quarterbacks? Yeah, it's crickets, right? Because Spencer Sanders is your Big 12 preseason quarterback of the year. And when you got Spencer Sanders as your preseason quarterback of the year, that means you really don't have a lot of quarterbacks in this conference to brag about. And even Dylan Gabriel, who I, again, I'm high on Dylan Gabriel. And again, I don't want to give all my rankings away, but I, I believe that Spencer Sanders kind of inherited that spot. You go down the list of quarterbacks and you look at what's happening. Casey Thompson's gone. Caleb Williams is gone. Spencer Rattler is gone. And you look at programs like West Virginia, you look at Oklahoma State, Brock Purdy is gone from Iowa State. The Martinez kid that was in Nebraska is now at Kansas State. And you're like, okay, well, we, we, know, we know Spencer Reller has been around for four years, so we'll make him the number one quarterback in the Big 12. If I was a betting man, I would bet the farm that, that Spencer Sanders will not be, will not be the postseason Big 12 all-conference quarterback. He won't be first team. So what that tells me is you got to look at the next level down, which is going to be the running backs. You got the Kendra Miller kid out of TCU. You got Sir Roderick Thompson out of Texas Tech. You've got we talked about uh, we talked about Eric Gray at OU, Dominic Richardson at Oklahoma State. We, the the stable of Bijan Robinson, uh, Roshan Johnson, and um, uh, the Robinson kid from Texas. 
Uh, I mean, there there are so many. I mean, um, the Mathis kid at West Virginia. You you can go on talking about running backs in this conference. And this conference is going to have a lot of good running backs. And that means there's going to be a lot of pressure on the front sevens in this big in the Big 12. The front seven of these defenses are going to have to be on it in order to win this conference. And I believe the, the best defense in the Big 12 is going to be whoever can stop the run more consistently. And I think Oklahoma is set really good to do that. And if you're going to look at the question mark as being a weakness on this defensive side of the ball, where the question mark is in that secondary, I think that plays into the strength of what this Big 12 conference is going to be because the strength is not going to be, in my opinion, throwing the ball four or 500 yards a game. The strength of the Big 12 offenses is going to be controlling the line of scrimmage and getting your running backs four or five yards downfield on first down. And I believe with all of my heart, all of my heart, that Oklahoma is way more set to do that than they are to stop a prolific passing offense. So there you have it. I think Oklahoma relies on defense more uh, to win the Big 12 and to get in the conversation for the college football playoff than um, than, than really uh, they, they have in a long, long time. But we want to know what you think. Hit us up. Uh, heartland-sports.com is where you can find us every day on the internet. You can always find us at um, uh, at Twitter, again, at Sports Heartland. And then, again, old-fashioned email, heartland underscore sports at Yahoo. Have a great week, everybody. I'm gonna be the man who's working hard for you